Welcome to Relationships Unhinged Podcast, where we explore dysfunctional partnerships that became deadly. These stories give a whole new meaning to the term, till death do us part. Welcome to episode 13. Wow, 13 episodes. Yeah, 13 is kind of a cool number because I feel like I'm a superstitious person and 13 is like a lucky number. Although it's not Friday. No, it is Friday. Oh, yeah. But it's not the 13th. Right. Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. So I, I this story is not going to be, it's not going to be funny, I don't feel like. Doesn't, they don't all have to be funny. I mean, I, I don't think people come on here expecting to laugh. No. <laughs> But generally, I like to like look at like people's crazy behavior, and there's definitely plenty of crazy behavior in this story. But it's it's not necessarily. However, the gonna f- find it funny. The feedback I'm getting is that it's funny. I know, right? And, and that was not that was never like the shtick. It was never a shtick. Well, you know, I find these stories, and then as I tell them to you, I find that we both find them kind of funny, only because they're so strange. I just think it's funny the way you tell the story. I don't necessarily think that the actions are funny, like. Dead people and toads. No, of course not. And like no. some of the some of the comments are f- like really funny, right? Like, who keeps dead dead people and toads in their bedroom? Why didn't you put all those fuckers in the basement? Right, that's what I heard. Yeah. Why aren't they all just in the right. basement? And then, <laughs> you know what it tells me? People are actually listening to these stories, right? Somebody said to me, "Why don't you go to the library and Google your stuff?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like exactly. You, you well, there you go. There's a tip. If you want to kill your spouse. Go to the library and Google it. Don't take your own computer and Google, I need to murder my wife. Yeah. Go to the library. Of course, we're not advocating that. No. But it's just funny that it just shows you that people are actually listening to these stories. And literally, the last 12 episodes, almost every person has Googled how to kill their spouse. I know. It's crazy. Like 90% have Googled how to kill their spouse. Super smart. Oh, hiya. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, so this story comes out of Oregon. Um... Her, this is Jesse and Josh Cavett. Okay. She was 29 and a hairdresser, and she also taught at the- Whoa. She was a hairdresser? Yeah. Okay. You know what they say about hairdressers? What? They're, they're beautiful? No, they're crazy. I never heard that, but you think everyone's crazy. All right. You know something? You know what I have to tell you about hairdressers? What do you got to tell me? They always look good. Like, I swear, I could do my hair for hours on ends, but I go to the hairdresser, and my hairdresser does like two things to my hair, and it looks beautiful. And I'm like, I can't replicate this. I can't go home and do this. Can you just come home with me? Because it just doesn't happen. They have a skill that nobody else has. Yeah, and then the offset is they're nuts. But go ahead. Sometimes, but you think everyone's nuts. You know, you're like, oh, she a teacher? She's nuts. Oh, she a nurse? She's nuts. Oh, you know, she a Sagittarius? She must be nuts. Like, you, you think everyone's nuts. Okay, <laughs> I digress. All right. So anyway, this guy Josh was a me- was a member of the biker a, a biker gang. Okay. All I see is that he was a biker. I don't see him having like a specific job. That doesn't mean he didn't have one. This happened in 2013, so people tend to focus specifically on the fact that he was a biker. Right. He was a member of a biker gang called the Gypsy Jokers. Have you heard of them? I have not. I think I don't know if they're specific to Oregon, but apparently they're like well known there. But they call themselves the one percent. Ah, okay. 
You heard of this? Yeah, I've heard of the one percenters. All right, so <clears throat> pretty common, actually. Really? So they will only have white people in their gang. Okay. But um, so she meets him, and actually, from pictures, when she meets him, it's—I don't want to say he looks normal, but he looks way more normal than he does like at the end of their relationship. And they weren't actually—they actually weren't together that long. They were just together like three, four years. So in that in that amount of time, he changed significantly. Appearance-wise, or his attitude, or okay, so like I don't want to say clean cut, but decent cut. To face tattoos, neck tattoos, greasy long hair, like very intimidating looking, scary guy. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, she started out pretty. She's a hairdresser and she really knows how to, like, I mean, every picture that they have of her online, every picture she has of herself, beautiful. I, a 10, in my opinion, a 10. She's very pretty. Wow. And, and like has a knack for doing her hair, you know? Yeah. You know, the crazy thing is, is like people always like have their own opinions of things. And so I look at this picture, and the pictures of those two together. And I'm like, personally, what what enters my mind, because I'm an honest person, I got to tell you, I'm thinking, what did she see in him, you know? Right. But I look at like, you know, articles and stuff of them and their story. And basically, right. girl, girls go for the bad guy, I guess. And it never works out good. No. No. So this guy was married before and he had two sons with his first wife. And that ended roughly. Um, she had restraining order against him. She she claimed that he had constantly verbal, verbally threatened her. He had physically um, harmed her. He had threatened to harm her and her friends if, they, if he saw them out. She said he hit her in the head while she was holding her one-month-old baby. Wow. She said he pushed her on the ground while she was breastfeeding her three-month-old baby and jumped on top of her while she was still holding the baby in her hands. And her two-year-old was watching and he was crying. And she says that like another time, you know, they were fighting and he threw her over his shoulder, brought her to the garage, and then just kept throwing her down on the garage floor while her kids were crying, wouldn't let her in the house. Jesus to, Christ. To like get to her kids. This guy was a very violent, terrible temper guy. Um, he had like multiple assaults. Yeah, pillar of the community. Yeah. Tons of like probation violations. I mean, there was like at least six mugshots of this guy. At least. And every one of them looked vastly different. And so apparently he started to use meth and like. Always a good choice. Always. Right. Yeah. But this guy's not like, he's not like one of these like, you know, sometimes you see like girls like when they start meth and they're really pretty and then the next thing you know, they're like, they get like skinnier and then they get like. Yeah, they you know, have, like, cuts they're and, just a jaw now, no teeth. Yeah, there's like no teeth, and then there's like, you know, sores on their skin. And so like he wasn't like that. He just got like rougher and more tattoos. So, um, but he meets Jesse and he seems like a nice guy. Her family thinks he's a nice guy. He doesn't have any facial tattoos. Um, you know, within within not that much time, it seemed he was exhibiting like this coercive controlling behavior that like, you know, I told you Great Britain's been focusing on. Like this, they actually like call this a crime now. Like the way that like we call stalking a crime, this coercive and controlling behavior where he like separates her from her family, separates her from friends, causes fights between them, you know, doesn't want them to be involved with her life or, you know, her decisions right. or anything. <clears throat> But they had a baby. Um, she already had a daughter, Peyton, and then they had a baby named Paige. And um, so they have two. So she has two daughters. He has one daughter with her. She but has, two from a previous. She has, she has one from a previous. She's one daughter, and he has two sons from a previous. Okay, three total. Yeah. So there's yours, mine, and ours. But their mutual baby was Paige. That was she was 
when the incident that we're going to talk about today happened, Paige was two, Peyton was five. Um, but she was such a loving mother. Like, everyone who knew her said, like, she focused on her kids. She's a very loving mother. Um, so as rough as he was, um, neighbors and friends say when he was around Paige, his daughter, he was a mush. Like, they said that he would be, like, so mean to, you know, to Jesse and so, just so rough and intimidating to everybody else. But then, like, he was just, like, a ridiculous mush. One of the neighbors called him a cupcake around her. Huh. Yeah. But, you know, that's what girls do to their dads, I guess. Um, so um, a, a couple times they broke up. A couple times they went back together. I, it seems like she always wanted to try to keep her family together. And she always would say, like, you know, he says he's going to change. And, like, he would tell he would tell people, like, I'm going to change. I, I get it. I, you know, I'm, I'm fucked up. I'm going to change. But um, he really never did. Obviously, this never happened. They never change. Um, so... In April of 2013, she claimed that he like he got like really abusive. He hit her multiple times. He kicked her in the stomach. Her fr- her friends claimed that they saw like always had she had bruises. She had like bumps on her head. One time he head butted her like really hard, and her head like went back and hit the wall. So like not only did she have like a really bad bump on her head, the back of her head was really sore from how hard it hit the wall. It um, amazes me these girls stay with these people. Like what the I know. What the fuck. I mean I. I gotta tell you, I I know people all come from different backgrounds, but to me, if somebody did that to me, I would wait till they were asleep and fucking take a baseball bat to their head. Like no one's ever doing that to me. So I don't know what compelled this girl, who was way too good for this guy anyway, to stay with this guy. Yeah. But um, she it seemed like she always minimized it to people, and people always would notice stuff. So one of the girls she worked with said you know, are you okay? Like, I feel like you're always, you always got something going on, like, you know, bruises, bumps. And she said, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And she goes, you know, once I saw like strangulation marks, like bruises on her neck, I was like, it is that bad. You know, you got to get out. So, um, at some point, you know, she finally decided, okay, I, I got to divorce this guy. I got to get out of here. So in August, she, um, she filed a restraining order against him and she filed for divorce when they went, I guess, for the restraining order, she got full custody of the baby. He wasn't allowed to see her. He was—he had drug problems. He had anger problems. He was violent. So he wasn't allowed to see her. Incidentally, the same day as she got the restraining order in August, his sister, his stepsister, also got a restraining order against him. So I don't know if she had stuck up for Jesse or what happened, but her he, she says he pinned her to a car and he threatened her and he told her he would beat her in the street right in front of everyone and that he had no problem making her disappear. This is his sister. That's his stepsister. Oh, stepsister. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in Jesse's restraining order, this is some crazy shit, okay? In, in Jesse's restraining order, he said, okay, he said he was going to give her a hot shot. Do you know what that is? So a hot shot is either extremely pure drugs that'll kill you instantly or some sort of drugs like heroin or other opiates laced with strychnine that'll kill you instantly. So he told her he would give her a hot shot. He told her he would kill her or have someone else kill her and no one would ever know. He told her he would handle her with his bare hands. She said, he's never going to let me alone to be a mother. But she had this text from him and this is what the text said he wanted to tie her to a chair peel her skin off layer by layer and then light her on fire while she was still alive wow 
Now, it sounds like a Hallmark card. I don't even know. Like, if I'm a police officer in this town, I don't know. You know, she goes there and she claims all this. This is like some pretty intense stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pretty detailed. I feel like, and and with evidence, because she's got like message on her phone. I feel like when you, you know, like I said before, like a lot of times when people go and get a restraining order, there's a lot of like, you know, he's so mean, calls me names, harasses me. But this is some really legit, violent, threatening behavior. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is some detailed threats. Yeah. I was just sitting thinking about what he's going to do. But I wonder, like, because of the fact that this is, you know, kind of like a small town, like, and this is, and he's a, and he's a biker and he's very intimidating. You know, I wondered how much, like, how much, like, they just didn't want to get involved because maybe this guy intimidated them. I don't know. But this guy seemed like a, like a terrifying guy. She she developed a friendship with a guy that was in her um, like her beauty class, and this guy gave an interview. He said that she was like always texting him, telling him she was scared. She was scared. You know, she, she definitely thought he was gonna kill her. You know, sometimes she would text at like 3 a.m. and be like, I have such a bad feeling. You know, I'm really scared. Like, I'm, something's gonna happen. They were separated at this point because they had the restraining order. Right? Yeah, this is after she already like filed for divorce and had the restraining order. Oh, um, the guy from her class was like, you know, she 100% felt like something was going to happen to her. Um, so on October 12th of 2013, she was getting herself and her daughters ready. They were going to go to a pumpkin festival. He shows up at her house and shoots her point blank right in front of the two kids. Ugh, like God. right in the head. So what does he do? He takes the two-year-old, his daughter, and disappears. And leaves a five-year-old with her mom with a, oh, with a gunshot wound to her head. Right. So I, I got to give Peyton credit. Peyton's her five-year-old. I got to give her credit. She takes her mom's phone and she calls her mom's friend. And she says, Josh hurt mommy. And her friend said, what? And she said, Josh shot mommy. So her friend called 911. And the police get there. And they set off an Amber Alert because the other daughter's missing. And right. obviously she shot. She's not dead. But she gets to the hospital, and she's basically brain dead, and she dies later that night. Um, How sad. It was a completely unsavable. A scumbag. I know. So 10 hours, this guy's on the lam, and there's, like, an Amber Alert going on. And then someone recognizes him and says, like, I know who you are. And he says, you know what? It's fine. Call the police. I want, I want to turn myself in anyway. I can't, I can't do this. So the cops get there, and what does he say to the cops? Mm. Can't complain. I just killed somebody. I know. So when they found him, he had like a bag with a loaded gun, but Paige was safe. Um, he initially pleaded not guilty to murder and unlawful possession of a weapon. But by um, by November of the following year, 2014, he took a plea deal um, as long as he confessed to the murder. And he got... Uh, life in prison with the possibility of parole in 25 years however i think the judge like looked at him and like had a feeling about his character he had brass knuckles tattooed right under his eye right i think the judge said like just so you know like 25 years there's no guarantee like you're gonna have to be good i doubt you'll be good kind of like yeah you know like this this isn't like a thing like don't like don't he's a fucking animal he shot his wife in in the fucking head in front of the kids like come on Right, and after like multiple violent assaults and right. like, just a complete disregard for people's safety and people's lives, yeah. and this the fucking violent animal. psycho asshole. 
So at the trial, his lawyer says, <laughs> this is crazy. So, you know, being denied visitation with his daughter pushed him over the edge. Right, right, right. Um, he had he had drugs in his system and he was experiencing paranoia. And he had a traumatic brain injury from being inducted into this motorcycle gang. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> Isn't that insanity? These fucking attorneys, man, are unbelievable. Right. Well, I mean, you know... I- I have a hard time wrapping my head around like being an attorney and even sticking up for a guy oh, like yeah. this. Well, I feel like sometimes that's a whole nother podcast. Sometimes attorneys have to sell their soul to the devil. They do every day. Because how do you stick up for a guy like this? Some attorneys that like advocate for victims or advocate for rights or advocate for the environment or whatever, those are good guys. But anybody who could go and knowing full well somebody. that someone fucking killed somebody 100 percent guilty girl's right. beautiful face and you look at her two beautiful girls and you can go and say one nice thing about this guy and, and worse off try to get this guy out of prison like try to get him out of out of trouble i couldn't sleep so at he night. could yeah exactly well I, I just couldn't i couldn't do that i could never do that <laughs> like you're not one of these trash attorneys though no no and i and i I know that they're a necessary evil, but I just, how do they sleep at night? How do they show up and say, you know, he's not a bad guy. It's the drugs. It's the beating from the induction to the gang. Like, how do you sleep at night? They do, with full pockets. So, you know, during during the trial, you know, at the, there was a sentencing hearing, obviously. Right. So six members of her family spoke, and her dad said, you know, the damage is done. We can't undo it. But I hope that you relive what you did to her and the girls every single day in prison. Good. He won't make eye contact with her family. I feel like one of the saddest parts of this whole story is when her sister spoke, her sister said, she doesn't have to be afraid anymore. Yeah, it's sad. It's fucking really sad. Yeah. It makes me want to cry. So I got to tell you, her sister Jenny is an inspiration to me. Her, her sister's Jenny Cochran. Right away, because they had known she was a victim of domestic violence and stuff. Right away, she was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a foundation. I'm gonna do whatever I can. I'm gonna help victims of domestic violence. They know, they know where to go. They know that this is gonna get better." She's like, "We all knew it wasn't gonna get better. We told her it wasn't gonna get better." She's like, "We need to like figure out." Sadly, she's just a statistic. Yeah, but you know, like we've talked about before, sometimes I think families or people feel powerless or they have this random false hope that things are going to get better, but things are never going to get better, no. you know? So she was like, I'm going to start some the foundation. The circle of violence, it just fucking goes on. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, educate people, help people, give them resources, give them a safe place. I'm going to do whatever I can, like to help people like Jesse. Yeah, that's awesome. Who right away, like knew, you know, he was probably going to kill her when she tried to escape. Now, ironically, when he killed her, he had his new girlfriend with him. What? Yeah. He already had a new girlfriend. And he brought her. And the police, like... Wait, wait. She went with him to the homicide? Yes. So the police... Wow. So for the, you know, for the 10 hours that he was missing, you know, the police were like, looking for this guy. We're looking for this little girl. And we're looking for a potential witness, which is this guy's girlfriend. Right. This guy's new girlfriend. So... I don't, you know, I think to protect her, they haven't, I know what her name is. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to, I'm just going to continue to like, but they didn't even say what she said, what happened. They did find her. She did say whatever she said. Oh, she Um, she admitted being there and witnessing? It doesn't say because I think like they were trying to protect. And maybe at the trial she said something. Right, right. But um, 
Yeah, we're not going to blow her up. That's no, fine. No, no. Um, There's enough victims in this. Totally, totally. So, but her sister, Jenny, the same inspirational girl that I'm, I'm literally, I'm in love with this girl. I think she's so awesome. She's a huge advocate of Second Amendment rights. And she said the only thing that could have saved my sister a gun. is a gun. A gun. If my sister had a gun, that's the only thing that could have saved her. A piece of paper is not saving you. A right. restraining order a restraining is not order is, saving you. It is a piece of paper. It's literally a piece of paper. And people find false hope in that restraining order thinking that it's going to save you. And the reality is if the person who is the one that has a restraining order and they're served with it and they feel intimidated enough that they don't want to get in trouble because they are worried about repercussions, those are the only people that the restraining order is going to work for. Anyone else who's fucked does not care because it's a piece of paper. It's not a brick wall. It's not a steel fucking door. Mm -mm. It's a piece of paper. So you're absolutely right, and I would agree, that the only thing that's going to save her is a fucking handgun in her purse. Right. When he busted in her door, yep. when she was getting ready for the pumpkin festival, she could have shot him instead of him shooting her. Yep. And her and her kids could have been safe, and she could have lived her whole life without ever having to worry about him again. Yep, then she could have been tried by 12 instead of carried by six. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he speaks at his trial. I can't wait. Okay, so this is like his exact quote. Can I tell you I hate this fucking guy already? I Well, I already hated this guy as soon as I saw his picture. And, you know, so he says, I'm sincerely sorry that this tragic event that hurt so many people 13 months ago took place traffic track okay yeah, that's glass an event took place an event not yeah. that you did it okay then he says the biggest victims are the four beautiful children who lost a mother forever and a father in prison for life mm. okay you did that right you, you know created all this you fucking jerk off so he's like telling the court that not only is their mother dead, right. not because of him. But now he's in but prison. But now he's in prison. Yeah, so the poor kids have no father. Because, yeah. Yeah. They're better off, believe me. I mean, 100%. Yeah. And you know, his ex-wife had like said stuff like, you know, he could have killed me. I'm so glad I got out of that situation. That could have been me. But this guy still a year and a half, over a year later, can't take responsibility that it it was his actions that caused this. It was oh, like, oh, a tragic yeah. event took place. And now, like, kids have no parents. Like, because because of death in prison. Right, right. Like, not because I shot her and right. I'm an asshole and I deserve to go to prison. But because of death in prison, you know, the kids have no parents. I got nothing. You're right. This was not a funny one at all. It sucks. No. I actually feel bad. It's like, you know. But the truth is, like, the whole reason I brought this one up is because I, I, I'm actually super proud of her sister. Her sister. Yeah. She's an inspiration. Raised money for her kids. They did like a couple of fundraisers. Who has the kids now? Well, the father of the first daughter has her. Okay. Peyton. And he said that every night she cries for her mommy. Sad. This is 2013. So, I mean, obviously 2014, you know, he said this. But 2013, she was five. So now she, it's 2020. So she must be 13. Yes. Yeah, she still doesn't have a mom. Shad. She's got to go through high school. Yep. Get her period. Go to the prom. Get married. All these things without her mom. And, you know, all because of this animal. And then her family has um, Paige. Okay. So, you know, and Paige, Paige must be seven now. Is it seven, eight, eight years old? That sister's awesome. I know. What, what an inspiration. I know. It's awesome. I know. I like hearing stories like that. I know. I mean, she took a tragedy hope. and she didn't turn She didn't turn herself into a victim. Right. She turned herself into a hero. Don't let this happen to you. Right. Like, come to me and I'll help you. Get out of that situation. They're not going to change. 
There, it's not going to get better. It, it, it never does. Get yourself a gun. We could research stories like, well, I said me. I mean, <laughs> I mean you. You could research stories like this all day long, all night long, because you're going to find tons of them. Yeah. This is just happens every every day in the U.S. You know the worst call. part. Okay, the worst part is, so you know that you know you want to file for a firearms permit. It takes you like, at very minimum, in a state like our state. At very minimum, one to three months to get your permit, however long it takes you to buy the gun. And then you have to secure it a certain way. But So if you get a divorce from your husband, you file a restraining order August 1st, he's stalking you and violent with you right away and then kills you August 12th. You may not have even gotten your permit yet. Mm-hmm. So the people who lie, and there's going to be a lot of people that hate me because of these these gun control advocates and stuff. That's okay. Who cares? People that that lobby for gun control and all this, they don't realize that because criminals still have guns and nothing changes, right. good people can't protect themselves <laughs> the, without all this red tape. Right. The, the, if the, this girl could have gone to a gun shop, bought a gun, and had it, she could have protected herself and her kids. Right. But instead, you know, two, three months of red tape and then possibly having a gun, by that time he's either over it or she's dead. You know? It's crazy. Yep. It's really sad. Welcome to the U.S. Well, depending on what state you are in the Union. Yeah. Some are are better, some are worse. We're we're one of the worst. Yep, you ain't kidding. Good work. All right. Good work as always. I hope you all enjoyed episode 13. 14 coming your way. Hopefully they're still here. (laughs) Okay. Have a great one, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.